listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. We're in a, uh, a series on disciple. Uh, from last week, I answered that question, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. And we talked about some nuances of that, and we'll lean into that again today. Um, but I want you to look at a, a couple of words that show up in our scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. It says, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, or they read the Old Testament, or they read the law, the Bible says, a veil remains un." lifted because only through Christ is it taken away yes to this day whenever Moses is read a veil lies over their hearts here's the key words but when but when it's a catalytic statement but when one turns to the Lord poof the veil's removed and so I want to talk to you today about the catalyst of being a disciple Father, I thank you so much for your church family, for our, our family members that are here, people who are becoming family, for guests that are here today. I pray over every person in this room, whether they're a disciple or someone who's uh, a never Jesus, never considered Jesus, Lord, that you draw us all in. The Bible says that Jesus said that if I be lifted up, I'll draw people unto myself. And we lift you up today, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here to do that supernatural work as we gather, as we, we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand as you're seated. And uh, we'll continue on in this series. Uh, last week, I talked to you about uh, four responses to Jesus. And I kind of drew up the categories of people. There's this first category of people, and these people were in the crowd in Jesus' time as Jesus drew a crowd, and they're also present today in general in the community, but they're also maybe present in this room. Everybody's welcome in this room, okay, because we believe in this process. There are the never-Jesus people. These are the people who in Scripture were against Jesus. They had something else, and the something else they had, they said to Jesus, yeah, never you because I have this. And maybe that's been you at some point, or you are that person. Uh, you are in a, a crowd of a large group of people throughout history. But I want to warn you, you get to hanging around with us, and all of a sudden you'll be like looking at the attractive nature of the thing that lives within us, that drives us, and his name is Jesus. Um, some people have, are not this far to this side of things. They're maybe here. They are known as unbelievers. And an unbeliever maybe is just someone who's yet to be convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. Or, or maybe is unsure, they haven't gathered all of the evidence. Um, listen, I think it's important for you to, to understand the fact of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, the scriptural teachings on Jesus. And at the same time, faith is required. But if you find yourself in this spot, we welcome you here. Again, I'm just convinced you get to sing in the songs, being around the people of God. There's going to be like that tractor beam in the old um, uh, Star Trek movie where the, the, the USS Enterprise pushes out the tractor beam and begins to draw the other ship in. Jesus has, through the Spirit of God, has a way of drawing people to himself. And so as an unbeliever, um, you've yet to make the decision. Now, there are people in the crowd around Jesus and maybe here today who actually, they really like Jesus. Uh, if you had been in the crowd and you watched Jesus heal someone that you knew, 
That's pretty amazing. Maybe you're a family member in the, in the New Testament. And when Jesus healed somebody, I'm sure there was a buzz, and, and we see that there was in Scripture. Everyone is excited. And maybe the family celebrates as a man now can finally hear or a, a child can finally walk or somebody's been set free from an affliction. There's a great excitement within the community. And that, that really has a tendency to draw people to look even closer at Jesus. But the reality is there are a lot of things about Jesus to be liked, but liking is not discipleship. In fact, Jesus talks in several places about the crowd gathering and actually people coming to him. They like him so much that they approach him. They're interested in receiving more. And Jesus draws a line and says, look, you cannot be my disciple unless you, and really ultimately what he's saying is there's a line of liking between liking and following. And in the crowd today, in, in the world that we live in, in, in Christianity and all of the United States of America, unfortunately, it seems like this is the target. This is what uh, people are really interested in, getting people to believe in Jesus, to like Jesus, to, to, um, to actually endorse Jesus to a degree. Those people are all throughout Scripture. Those people are in the world today. I want to make sure that you understand that that is not our goal. That is not Jesus' goal. The fact that you like Jesus, that's good. But we're all about you becoming a disciple of Jesus, stepping across the line, surrendering your life and saying, Jesus, I will follow you. And that line is a very thin line, but it's a very real line. It's also a line that's a catalyst. The, the words in this opening verse, it says, but when... One turns to the Lord. It's a catalytic statement. In other words, when you step over this line, some things are unlocked that you maybe don't even expect or don't, don't maybe intend, but they do unlock. So I get this phone call from my daughter, Valerie, one morning. It's, Dad, Dad, there's something wrong with my car. You ever get this call? Dad, Grandpa, Mom. So... I've got this call multiple times along. I'm sure Josh got the same call from Val and several other. Dave got the same call from Val. Val's all about getting this situation solved. She's not afraid to ask for some help. And so on this particular day that she's calling about this help, she's like, Dad, my, my car, it sounds weird. And so I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm trying to listen over FaceTime to hear what she's hearing, which is really difficult. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of hear it. She says, it just sounds like, blah, 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 blah. And, and she's describing it. We're trying to FaceTime. I'm trying to see what's going on. I instruct her to get underneath the car. All that to share that during the middle of the night, someone had got underneath her car in downtown Vancouver with a hacksaw and cut out the catalytic converter. So the catalytic converter was gone. Now it's interesting. Uh, what a catalytic converter does. It's part of a car that supposedly makes it more efficient, but it has uh, certain types of metals within this part of the exhaust system that when the exhaust gases flow across this metal, there's a catalytic um, transaction that happens that actually transforms some of the gases and separates them into less harmful gases and causes a burn-off to keep CO2 from going out into the air. And the presence of a, a, a metal, for whatever reason, it, you know, it could be described through chemical reaction, but those gases translating or transferring through those metals sets off an unexpected reaction for the majority of us. 
It's this idea that there's something about that experiencing flowing through that situation that unlocks some things that are pretty powerful and for the better. And in stepping across this line, I want you to see, in stepping across this line to become a disciple, while there are some scary things about this line and all of the unknowns of this line, there are also some things that are unlocked supernaturally that will keep you from being like a young boy who wants to play baseball, holding onto the chain link fence, looking at the people on the field, and then stepping across and actually stepping onto the field to play baseball. There's a huge difference. And what's sad about the experience of some today is they actually have been, been led to believe some of it's the enemy, some of it's just poor teaching, that liking Jesus is Christianity, but all it will do is leave you on the outside of this chain link fence wondering, why am I not experiencing that? Why, when I read the Bible, do they have this happen, but I've never experienced that in my lifetime? How come when she talks about praying, she talks about all oh, this, and me, when I pray, I just feel like I'm talking to the ceiling? And what I want you to know is sometimes we experience those types of things because we've not gone beyond just liking the idea of Jesus and stepping into the catalyst that unlocks those things that the people of the Bible experience, that modern-day disciples experience. So today and next week, I want to take a couple of weeks to talk about some of what the catalyst of stepping over unlocks. Okay, you ready to go? Yeah. All right, with that, let's take a look at number one. When you step over the line to following Jesus, it is incredible that there is this ignition of spiritual life. And I don't know how to describe it. I can use all of the Bible words. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said to uh, Nicodemus, uh, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. It's that idea of stepping into life. Now, I know that we were all born, and so you are, ultimately, you are alive. But the truth is, you were born spiritually dead, I don't know if you realize that or not, but your spirit was actually like a folded up sail on a sailboat, and all your life you've been rowing around using a paddle when there's the capacity within you to be a strong spiritual being, but because that has been basically folded up and in a sense it's dead in its experience, you've not experienced the true joy of sailing. We were away for a couple of days at Detroit Lake this, this last week. And we had our grandsons with us, and one of the cool parts was walking along the lake, and there was a, a couple out there with a sailboat. Man, to see a boat with a sail just navigating up and down uh, that, that, that great big body of water is just a beautiful thing to see, to see the power that God created of the wind breathe upon a man-made vessel, and to watch them navigate together is, is very much like the moment that you and I, we step across the line, and what happens when we do, when we step into a, a true relationship with God, that our spirits is now somehow, it, it becomes to, begins to ruffle up as the wind of God breathes across the bow of our ship, and for the first time, our sail catches the Spirit of God, God's Spirit connecting with our spirit like a hand in a glove, and we begin to experience something called new life, being born again, spiritually alive, realizing for real. I mean, this, this revelation that God is not just a fact, God is real, and I sense him now, maybe for the first time in my life. See, here's the thing. People who like Jesus, 
they tend to add Jesus to their life to make their life better. But a disciple abandons their life to experience the abundant life that Jesus is offering them. And that is the difference. Adding Jesus to your life will make your life better, but it won't make you a disciple. And it will keep you from experiencing the abundant life that he, God has authored before the beginning of time for your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 says, and this applies to every one of these three categories, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. There are things to be revealed when you step across this line that as long as you stay here, you can't even put it together. I used to live a large portion of my life before I was 18, uh, turned to 18, in this spot, I believed in God. I remember I was in working in a convenience store, one of like three jobs after I graduated high school. Welcome to adulthood. Um, paying bills and cars breaking down and now me having to pay for those things. And while I was working in this convenience store, uh, a guy comes in to get some coffee and I told him, no, let me give you some fresh coffee. And I'm just trying to help him out. He looked really tired. He was traveling. And uh, we struck up a little conversation and he left. He went back out to his car and he brought back in a pamphlet and a ticket. And one side of the ticket, it said the ticket into heaven, and it had some scripture on it. And on the back side, it said ticket to hell. Do nothing. Just continue to live life as you are. And I thought that was kind of cool, but unusual. I'd never seen anything like that. And then a little booklet that talked about how to have a relationship with God. And he presented those to me. And he wanted to invite me into a relationship with God. And I said, I already have a relationship with God. And he says, you, you do? I says, yeah. He says, how do you know? I quoted scripture to him. I said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I remember that look in his face like he's quoting scripture at me. But the reality was what he was doing, he was trying to invite me to hear. And yet I was here thinking that this is all there is. I liked Jesus. I knew scripture. I liked the feeling of of this idea that God was trying to help me, even though the things I was asking him to do for me when I prayed were totally wrong. Anybody, you, you Lord, help my parents not to find out what I did. <laughs> Lord, help the police not to help him, help his radar gun to malfunction right now. Like all of those things. And what I didn't realize is that I, I could not even begin to understand the depths of the truth of God. It's like God, even while standing here and I liked God, God was still a million miles away. And this young man was inviting me to step across the line and I was deceived enough to quote scripture to justify where I was at. And I, many months later, I stepped into a church much like ours where people loved God. They were very demonstrative in their worship. The word of God was preached and I felt that wind come into stir up the sail. With, I was like, oh, what is going on here? And what was happening was it was, it was being revealed to me that this is far, as far as I had gone. I really liked the idea of God, but I needed to move from liking God to knowing God. Amen? And I'm telling you, the moment that I began to feel that wind blowing, it was so attractive to me. At the end of that gathering, I, they, they said, anyone who would like to say yes to Jesus, come to the front. I ran up to the front. I was crying. And not everybody responds that same way, but that wind felt so good coming across my life, especially in a windless life. Really, my, I, my arms were, at 18, they were already tired of paddling this boat to find out that the Spirit of God, as I follow Jesus, is going to carry me. 
He's going he's gonna to carry me? Are you kidding me? He's going to help me? He's going to touch me? He's going to prosper me? It's, shoot, I'm going to step across this line right now. And it was amazing. As soon as I said yes and hit that front of the altar, it was like the awareness that God is really here and now became so tangible. Prior to that, I, I looked forward to the day of someday getting to heaven to see God, experience God. And what I realized is he's knowable, seeable, and experienceable right here, right now in this earth. I used to think that the kingdom of God was heaven someday because the Bible talks about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And so we assume, a lot of people assume that's future after I die, I step into the kingdom of heaven. No, 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 no. Jesus came so that we could experience the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Man, dude, because you've been experiencing the kingdom of hell right? The winds, the waves, the floods, they come in and beat against the house. But when you step into the kingdom of God, you experience the life of God here on earth. Um, The doorway to spiritual things begin to open up. The reality of God is proven to the disciple. Um, Spiritual spiritual realities come to life within them. The reality of who God is, what he has done for them is profound. You will look at the crucifixion of Jesus differently when you step across this. I remember we used to celebrate every Good Friday and every Easter. When I lived in this spot, it just seemed dry and ritualistic. And then when I stepped over here, I realized Jesus came to this earth and allowed himself to be tortured so that I could be forgiven of all my sin. It became very personal. Over here, it was just a, a good thing that he did so that anybody who believed could someday go to heaven. No, 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 no. Over here, it's a reality. I can see that he's laid his life down for me. I also can experience over here the reality of forgiveness. Like forgiveness is like this load of debt pulled off of me because I can see it for what it really is. Over here, it's just, I'm sorry, and I guess that magically makes it go away. But over here, it's, that's why you were beaten. That's why you were whipped. That's why a crown of thorns was reamed down on your head those actions were your payment for my sin. There's such a greater clarity when you step into discipleship. Um, number two, discipleship gives you access to God. It's, it's, there's no longer this veil that was always here. It's instant access. You live over here. And you'll find that you drift around a little bit, even the greatest disciples do, but there's always the doorway to step back into the depth of relationship. In your lifetime, there's going to be a lot of relationships that come and go. Some are going to be seasonal. Uh, those of you, Bethany, congratulations on graduation. We've got some other graduates. And it is true in most cases that you'll never see those kids again. But since your classmates are your homeschool friends and family, uh, you probably will know your, some of your, your fellow students the rest of your life. That would be a good thing, right, Mom and Dad? Um, but I, honestly, there's probably two or three people that I still have contact with from high school. Uh, I thought we would never, uh, the gang, we're going to always be together. Um, some relationships come and go, and there's some weave into some of those relationships. But when you become a disciple, hear me for a moment, there's not only access to God, but this is the number one relationship from that moment on. And there's instant access and there might be a rhythm to weaving back into that access but, and, and the need to take advantage of that access, but it's always there. Over here, I always felt like heaven is brass. 
and I'm trying to shoot my prayers through, and I hope God, I hope God hears this. And over here, it's, I don't have to shoot my prayer through anything because the Holy Spirit, he resides within me. And while I'm talking, praying out loud, or whether I'm just contemplating, he is here. I want to especially lean on to this. He becomes the number one relationship. He becomes first of all relationships, but the most treasured and the most valued relationship. He's, he's the only one that's never going to leave you or never going to forsake you. He's the one who said, I, 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 I'll be there always. And taking advantage of that means that you get to have the advantage of this, this sacrificial, wonderful God, friend, brother, um, that, that you, will, you will enjoy in the good times and that you will really need and access in the most difficult of times. Marriage is a wonderful, God-given institution. However, your spouse could never be Jesus. They're never going to be able to... They, they will add to your life. They will be a huge contributing factor of your life. But Jesus is the only one who can be Jesus. And when you step in to follow Jesus... You have access to that relationship, and what's so valuable is when you add other people into the relationship, those relationships get better and better and can be the best because he is still the priority. You hear what I said? He still becomes a priority. Um, I can promise you this. If tomorrow I woke up and said, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done with Jesus. Just done. Yeah, I've had it. That's it. This is a stretch for me even to try, try to make up this analogy. However, if I, if I said that, uh, Pastor Rowena would look at me and that she would be like, that's stupid. She wouldn't actually say that. She would just give me a look and I would know like a paragraph with what she's saying. That's stupid. You're an idiot. That's the dumbest thing you've ever said. It would just be, I would get all of that through the look. But I, you mark this down. She would continue on. Now, she would still love me while I'm drifting around somewhere here, but her number one commitment is to Jesus. That's actually the thing that attracted me to her. While she is, uh, you know, a model, and she left that career, the runway model stuff, and, and uh, won beauty pageants that I gave her first place in, and all of those things, <laughs> the most attractive thing to me was that I'm not first, he is. Yeah. And I would say this to you if you're single. And looking forward to a future and you're a disciple, put him first and anybody else second. And if you're going to get married, marry somebody who's already put him first over you. Yeah. Yeah. I promise you it will work out well. Amen. It will work out well. Now, I'm not saying it won't be challenging and there won't be difficulties. But if you put somebody else first and he's not first, That'll always be a challenge, whether it's a person or a thing or a desire. Um, yes. Okay, Ephesians 2.18. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This stepping into discipleship creates this open door that we can always, always walk with him and enjoy a relationship with him. Um, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.16 and 17, this was the verse that we started off with. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed or the doorway disappears. I have instant access at all times to God. Uh, and that access allows me to experience God's presence. I don't wake up in the morning time. I, I, maybe you do. I don't wake up in the morning and have the Holy Spirit hovering in my bedroom. And he wakes me up and says, 
Steve, welcome into the presence of God. And the presence of God doesn't carry me to choose my wardrobe or to shave or to cut my hair or, or trim my ear hairs or whatever it is that I'm doing that morning, whatever's on the schedule. I don't necessarily feel the presence of God, but you mark it down, I have access at all times. And for me, I've learned the, the secret of enjoying that access for me is just to, just to mutter a few words. Morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you for waking me up. And as I begin to engage, the door opens and I step in and am able to enjoy the presence of God. And in this spot, there's a little bit, again, of weaving because the second I get behind the wheel of a car and begin to drive down the road and there's other people that live over there who are allowed on the road, uh, who are in the left lane going 30 miles an hour, have a way of drawing me out of the presence of God. Anybody? Or maybe, maybe a coworker has, has this ability by just their attitude to draw you out of the presence of God. If that's you, it's not because you're unspiritual. It's just because we, we live in the real world. But the beautiful thing about, about that moment is we have access back in. I find that I, I end up outside of the presence of God. Not, not discipleship, but this, I'm talking about the presence of God. It's just at times I just... I'm consuming so much of what's going on in the world. Sometimes it's the facts of my day, crunching numbers, doing administrative work, listening to, it's important to follow the news, to engage with politics, to be able to pray for the future, dealing with problems, getting your car fixed, laying out a budget. All of those things are of this world. And anytime I'm dealing with of this world, it has a tendency to draw me out of the presence of God. And so I have to fight my way back in because the thing that, that really, really is an iconic marker of discipleship is the presence of God in our lives. Yeah. It's, it's that not only do I get to experience God present with me, but that other people experience not just me, but the presence of God with me, even though they might not be able to put their finger on it. It's the thing that makes us different. It's the greatest attractant. It's the wind that fills my sail has a tendency to get on their folded-up sail and cause something to happen. And they'll say, there's something different about you. That's why we want to walk in the presence of God so that we're more effective wherever we go to be able to draw other people into a relationship with God. Um, accessing God's presence uh, for you will be your own little method, and you'll learn this as you make the effort to step in. It could be that through prayer, through reading the Bible, through, through praising, through giving God thanks, through praying in the Spirit, as that becomes a part of who you are, but the, the path becomes really short, the door opens quickly. For people who don't access the presence of God, who are trying to be disciples, you'll find that this path gets longer and grows over if you don't take advantage of it. And you end up like going from conference to conference to experience the presence of God. Or maybe a shorter time. It's Sunday to Sunday to experience the presence of God. Oh, I gotta get back to, I gotta get back to church because man, I'm just dying on the inside. Listen, while that's good and that it's wonderful the church can do that for you, you could do that for yourself. In fact, if you're not doing that for yourself, you're teetering between two worlds. Being able to take advantage of the fact that you have the right to step in and the privilege and the opportunity to experience God's presence, even though you're not gathered with the church, is the mark of a disciple. Amen? Um, this is how, uh, let me say this. This is how God's presence is how you will feed yourself and grow. The church's job is to teach you how to feed yourself and grow, but the church's job is not to feed you. It's not to feed you. 
In fact, the church gathers and it's relational and we have an encounter with the Spirit of God as we're all gathered together, but it's to reinforce what God is already doing in your life, not to be the thing that God is doing in your life. Jesus did not say, go and make church services so people can be refilled. They said, go and build disciples. Go and make disciples. Disciples know how to feed themselves. What is one of your goals when you have your children growing from toddlers into young children? To be able to feed themselves, right? And we have all different experiences. You got your firstborn who can feed themselves immediately. You got your secondborn, your middle child who wears their food, and the third one who's super picky and, you know, has to be enticed to eat food or however that works in your house. But the goal of our church family is to teach you to feed yourself so that on Monday you can eat and Tuesday you can eat and Wednesday you can eat. If you're going from Sunday to Sunday to experience the presence of God, you are living on fumes. Disciples don't need to live on fumes. They shouldn't live on fumes because you can have your own personal relationship with God and you can step into the presence of God all throughout the day and certainly as you do your devotions. Uh, it's normal, again, to experience some seasonal changes of stepping into God's presence. I know when I was in Bible college and I was single, man, I had a certain prayer time all the time and I would go to my prayer time and it was like heaven and earth went away, and I sat down, and I prayed, and it was like he, it was a conversation with him right there. I read the word, and it was like him like speaking to me. And then I was done with Bible college, stepped into the real world, had a nine-to-five job, young married man, and trying to navigate through all of the paying rent and all this stuff. There was no longer a chapel for me to go to every evening at 10 o'clock. The access was there, but the season had changed, and so I needed to find the new rhythm to stepping into that season. And I've watched Pastor Rowena navigate through that same thing. Bible college, same thing for her. Introduce having children. And next thing you know, she, would, she said this publicly from the pulpit numbers of times. Her time accessing the presence of God would be just five minutes in the bathroom while little kids were sticking their hand into the door. Can you see my fingers, Mommy? You know what I'm talking about, Mom, Dad? Can you see my fingers? Yes, I Please go away for five minutes. <laughs> but we shift through those seasons to maintain the access. And now that my kids are grown up and moved out of the house and um, life is in a different season, I have to fight still for that access. And this morning, getting up, sitting on the couch, looking out through the window at the wind blowing the trees and thanking God for, for today sitting right there with me, I had access again today and this morning. And so we continue to take advantage of that, that access. I only got 22 seconds to go. I'm going to stop. Oh. You don't need to applaud for that. I'm applauding myself. I'm pretty impressed because I could fit one more point in. Was that, was that, Barb, was that John laughing? Yes? Hmm. <laughs> Come on, dude. Is this, is, are you calling me out? Or is it, it, it the playground after the bell rings? What are we doing here? <laughs> John, we love you. That's awesome. Why don't you stand with me, okay? Um, let, me ask, let me ask this question as the worship team comes, and we're going to go ahead and uh, step back into some worship, but... Um, how many of you, you, you understand that challenge of taking advantage of the access? 
It, it's, a, it's a very real thing, right? For those of you who are disciples and you're, you're challenged with this access, I just, I want to challenge you just to prioritize. Uh, almost everyone in this room has to function according to a calendar. You have to prioritize things. If you have um, jury duty, if you have an appointment to get your oil changed, I mean, you, you, we're now to the point some places to get your oil changed, you gotta, it's like a two month appointment window. And you gotta put it on your calendar because if you miss that window, it's gonna be another two months before you get your, your oil changed or, or some service at your house for your HVAC or something like that. One of the best things you could do if that's you and you're struggling with taking advantage of access is to write it on the calendar. Just put it there. Make an appointment for yourself on a daily basis. And this doesn't have to be a one-hour appointment. I know there's a big push to, could you not pray with me one hour? Okay, that's Jesus talking to the 12 disciples. Let's start off with five minutes. There's no shame in that. And to set aside a time, personally, I'd recommend at the beginning of the day, get up five minutes earlier before you do anything. For me, that's what works. No social media, no, no nothing, no projects, no zip zero. If I'm going to go do a special thing today, I'm getting up five minutes earlier, 10 minutes earlier to open the door and to step in and make him my priority. I do that at the beginning of the day, even though for me, to be honest with you, it would feel so much more deep and powerful in the evening time. I don't know why, I'm just, my senses are more attuned in the evening time. And first thing in the morning, it tends to be a little bit more robotic for me. And yet, first thing in the morning sets the tone for the rest of the day. When I wait till the end of the day to pray, it's usually God forgive me for this, God forgive me for that, God forgive me for that. Whereas this gets ahead of all that and I find myself at the end of the day saying, it's been a great day, right? Amen? So for those of you who are in that spot, set up an appointment. I love uh, our interns. They're, they have to be accountable for their daily Bible reading and prayer every single day of the week. And I know whether they did or not. You wanna join interns? Crackety crack, I wanna be on your case. You didn't read your Bible. I might call you at like 7.30 in the morning. You haven't read your Bible yet. It's not that bad. but. But the reason why we do that is to help them to establish a pattern. And I will say that 90% 90, 90 of the success of the growth of our interns is just the daily access. Has so much less to do with what, although there's value in what we're teaching. Put it on your calendar. Finally, I just wanna make this appeal to those of you who are discovering this is where you're standing in the liking Jesus. And I'm so glad that you do like him. I'm so glad that you've seen some miracles that he's done. I'm so glad that maybe you've whispered up a prayer and you've been shocked that he's, that he's honored where you are and he's done something amazing. But I want you to know you are missing the depth of what this is really about. I wanna challenge you to recognize this morning where you're standing, that you, that's why I don't do a, hey, raise your hand and pray after me, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sins, forgive me of my sins. I give you my life, I give you my life, amen, amen. I don't typically do that, although that is a tool, but if all you do is pray some little prayer, you could pray that little prayer from here and still like Jesus even a little bit more, I invite you to step across and begin to follow. Because when you do, 
Some things are going to unlock. Some things about the, the repeating cycle of your life, you're going to find out that it's been a ball and chain around your ankle and you've actually been a prisoner to your past. And then when you step across, boom, the shackle pops off. And now I can walk a straight line instead of going around circles. You're going to discover that there's answers to what seem to be life circumstances. I want to invite you today to step across the line. I want you to, it's not even come up to the altar today, it's to say, I'm stepping across the line. Just right where you're standing, right to yourself. And later on, tell somebody that you're doing that. But I invite you, come and follow Jesus. Come and follow Jesus. And all you have to do is say, I will. I did. I will. I did. Things are going to begin to unlock for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gathering of your people. I say yes again today to following Jesus. I say yes. I step across that line. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 